Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends. Brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello and welcome into week three edition of the Pros with Joe's podcast. I'm your host, John Dansby, and with me, as always, is my main fantasy squeeze, co-founder of the league himself, Mr. Eric Romoff. Like last week, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get it kicked off. Eric? How about some broad strokes on what we're looking at after an interesting week three? Yeah, we're uh, we're taking it right back to the the top. We're we're going to be going through uh, all of the news and notes from around the NFL. Uh, to say that it was interesting is is probably a bit of an understatement. <laughs> there were uh, yeah. several big fantasy performances from players that. Almost nobody had heard of. Maybe the the deepest of dynasty shares were were out there celebrating, but a lot of you know kind of no name guys were were getting into the box in in week three. And like always, we'll we'll be spending some time talking about the week that was in the charity league. And you know what I'm super excited about tonight is we're going to be graced by the presence of one of our undefeated teams. Jim Coventry, his co manager Mitch Zimmer, are going to stop by and tell us about their time playing together. And as always, answer your questions heading into week four. That's awesome. Um, really excited to talk to those guys. Uh, but with that, you know, what what stood out to me this week was was more costly injuries. Uh, this time it seemed to affect the wide receivers a little bit more. Um, is there anything that's concerning to you or, or, or going to give an edge to league rosters uh, this week as a result of those injuries? Um you know, obviously we have some that we need to talk about, but uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on week three? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest the biggest injury of the week was uh, actually the earliest injury of the week, and that was Christian McCaffrey. Um, came up lame with a, with a hammy in that Thursday night game against the Texans uh, almost a, a week ago to, to date. And the, the ramifications there are, are huge, right? Most yep. uh, every fantasy manager out there rushed to their waiver wire and spent a disproportionate <laughs> amount of their fab trying to acquire Chuba Hubbard or maybe Royce Freeman if they're dangerous. Uh, I guess the good news for for CMC managers is that he did avoid a trip to the IR. So given that yep. teams have the ability to place a player on IR for as little as three weeks, I think it does open up uh, at least some cause for optimism that we see him back uh, here, m- maybe not this week, but potentially the following. So, not not entirely sure that it's a long term injury for for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and you know, I I have to say, uh, we dogged the Thursday night game pretty bad last week. Um, <laughs> but him going down kind of made that an interesting game last week. So, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they they fill in his role. Uh, like you said. They only expect him out for two to three weeks. So, you know, I don't expect their offensive scheme to change much um, because of that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who who picked him up and, and who's got them as backups, because I think you're going to see a lot of production from that background. Um, moving on, uh, KJ Hamler, Denver Broncos is done for this season. Uh, what are you what are you thinking about that? Yeah, so KJ Hamler is probably a bit of a deeper pull. Uh, you know, uh, teams in kind of fourteen-team uh, setups or, or maybe you know deeper starting lineups or deeper rosters are are really the only um, areas that are likely considering a player like Hamler. But I, I think the ramifications reach far beyond that. Right? We saw uh, Sutton have a, another very productive week, but. Actually, the the guy in Denver that I think you know is is standing and, and has proven to benefit the most from uh, these injuries to the the Broncos wide receiver core is is Tim Patrick. We're looking at yeah. a guy that is still almost sixty five percent available uh, across uh, sleeper and Yahoo leagues, and he has oh, wow. put uh, a three peat together of scoring performances greater than points. Um, so he he once again is incredibly efficient. He's catching almost everything that's thrown his way uh, so far. He's had 13 targets. He's hauled in 11 of them uh, each week. He's got about 30 yards. Actually, this week was the only time he didn't get into the end zone, but he had his highest receiving yard production at 98 the uh, on the short season. So ultimately, 
I, I think it clears the way for just more volume to continue to break Sutton's way. But yep. Tim Patrick is a player that is also seeing the benefit of the absences of, of these injured players. And he's someone that is, at least percentage-wise, more likely than not to be available on your waiver wire. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think you nailed it. Um, really, his injuries is, is bad for him, but for a lot of uh, teams with, with spots in their rosters um, or, or you know, trying to take advantage of, of waiver claims. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of players out there available on the Broncos uh, wide receiver stable that are going to continue to just put points up. Um, and like you said, I think Corlin Sutton is going to be the, the main beneficiary, but there's a lot of upside to, to some of the other targets out there. Um, James White for the Pats is done for the season. What is what does that look like with uh, with that offense, you know, moving forward? Yeah, this this one really really hurt my heart. Uh, anyone yep. who's listened <laughs> to uh, the prior week's episodes of the Pros with Joe's podcast, anyone who's uh, following me on Twitter, or listening to the various stops that I make throughout a given week, has had to suffer through me stumping for James White through three weeks <laughs> of the year, um, and now he is out. Not only is he out for the season, he is out with a hip subluxation, which I am once again forced to mis, uh, mispronounce here <laughs> on, on the podcast. Um, so really, really unfortunate loss. The, the thing that you know, comes to mind for me is that now it, it really throws into question just how Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots are going to deploy their, their running backs. Damian yep. Harris looks to be the, the primary early down back, but we also saw from the point that James White uh, left that game with injury, we saw Brandon Bolden all of a sudden come in and take pretty considerable snap share away from the other running backs there. So, um, you know, it, it could be just circumstance. He was the the player that was active and ready to go in that James White role. Um, but it is a huge question mark going forward. How much of this we see carry forward with Bolden? Uh, we, we talked about J.J. Taylor getting picked up uh, by Scott Ingle in week one. Maybe we now see his involvement start to start to walk up. We also yep. saw Ramadre Stevenson in the preseason look dynamic. So I think that there's there's ultimately more questions and answers in this New England backfield right now. Um, but this this James White injury is one that really hits close to home because I was happy to roster him in a number of different uh, spots. Yeah, uh, but. I mean, like you said, you're going to find some some hungry running backs to to come in there and and try to to prove themselves to the coach. Uh, but you know, speaking of of hungry managers and coaches, um, what what's what's happening in the league? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's another interesting week, and and maybe the thing that jumps off the page most is that uh, three weeks in, we are now through our third consecutive week with the average score falling. Um, so we're down to 122 points uh, scored uh, across starting lineups uh, through our, our 42 teams. And this this trend continues to point down. So it's something that I think really deems further examination. And from what I can uh, make sense of this is it's probably a twofold consideration one, we we touched at the top, right? There are a number of injuries that are happening in game to notable players, right? We talked about Christian McCaffrey. We talked about James White. We didn't even talk about some of the you know the the, the other big names that went down. We saw AJ Brown go down with a hamstring injury. We saw his counterpart yep. Julio Jones miss some playtime with uh, with uh, being nicked up himself. So I think part of it is just we're seeing a lot of players in starting lineups get injured and therefore put forth zeros or very low kind of below projection efforts the second is I, I think it's it's a bit of a ripple effect from the truncated preseason right we're down to three games from four uh every single team is limiting practice and uh participation in training camp and so these first few weeks you know the the offenses uh, are, are certainly not quite as vanilla as a preseason game, but I feel like in week three we saw a lot of offensive coordinators really open up the playbook and yeah. ultimately distribute and scheme open players that aren't likely to be on fantasy rosters. Right? We talked about that at the top. So 
uh, definitely an interesting trend to keep an eye on and see if we maybe get a bit of a bounce back here in week four or if it stays uh, a little bit suppressed on the scoring front. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, you, you mentioned underperformers and, and this kind of lends itself into my next question. I, I'm going to steal from ESPN here. Um, I'm going to call this the pillow fight of the week. Uh, we we had a matchup of, of Team Calandro versus Team Clagans. Uh, tell me a little bit about that sparring match. Yeah, so uh, to, to say it was the pillow fight of the week might be giving it a bit more credit than it's due. So uh, <laughs> these two teams uh, uh, put forth the two lowest scoring efforts on the week. Um, it was a, it was an 84 to 72 matchup with uh, Team Calandro ultimately coming out victorious. Uh, um, it, it just so happened that they were facing off with one another, right? So, um, you know, these these sort of things do have a way of happening in in the the game that we play. Um, obviously, uh, Team Calandro is feeling real good to squeak by with uh, with a victory. On the other side, you know, Dan Claskins can just kind of wipe the board of this one and say look yeah i scored 72 points i would lose <laughs> to anybody um yep. you know these near misses certainly hurt but ultimately he got his his uh his goose egg out of the way uh and is is obviously looking for a rebound in in week four yeah for sure for sure and i've i've definitely been on on those pillow fights uh in in several of my leagues in the past so i i feel you on that um, what else, what else stuck out to you this weekend in league play? Yeah. So we, uh, we, we, we talked thus far through the podcast of, um, the, the reign of Stefania Bell, um, week three yep. actually brought a, a different note to that, uh, to that song. Stefania was one of our tough luck losers. She, she fell to, uh, team coop, uh, both coops coop and his dad, uh, edged out Stefania by about six points. Um, so mm-hmm. she now uh, has a blemish on her record. She's sitting at two and one, um, but she is still uh, within the top six or specifically at six in terms of total scoring. So, um, you know, she she very much so was someone who suffered one of those injuries in, in her lineup and, and ultimately cost her her matchup against Cooper in week three. Yeah. Speaking of, of hard luck losses, how's our how's our friend Sam Holt doing? Oh, Sam. Light a candle for for this one. Yeah. Um, yet again, uh, was was not able to to come up with with the victory here in in week three. Um, she scored well past the 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 league average. She put up 135 points. Um, she actually at 0 and three has scored more points than Stefania Bell, but ran into an absolute buzzsaw in Jeff Bell's team, who put up nearly 180 points, uh, almost 60 points ahead of what the, the league scoring average was. And like we've seen in, in weeks past, this was with some limited players on his roster, right? We talked about Julio yeah. Jones missing some of his opportunity and his snap share in week three. Julio Jones is a starter for Jeff Bell. Got seven and a half points out of him and still, you know, put up almost 180 points. So, um, you know, we were talking about it on on Twitter at proswithjoes.com. Uh, at pros with Joe's on Twitter, I should say. And it, this is one of those spots where regression and, and variance has broken the wrong way for Sam through three weeks. And I think we're going <laughs> to no see kidding. that just statistically bounce back over the, the course of the week, right? She's yet again, not only above the league average in points for her starting lineup, but her bench is still uh, one of the most productive in in the entire league so um anyone out there prayers up uh send your best wishes to sam and her pros with joe's team for a uh for a speedy rebound yeah all i mean all the numbers say at some point you have to get the win but you know that that's historically the hardest season i've ever had is losses like that where you are scoring tons of points you're just not winning uh but you know Wins are going to come. Uh, my my prayer candle for Sam is lit. Uh, we're just hoping for the best. But sticking with league news, you know, a lot of managers seem to be making moves to bolster their rosters because we see these players dropping like flies. Or they're just not producing like like 
we had hoped uh, when they were drafted. Um, let's get into the waiver claims this week. Uh, it's pretty slow in pizza division. Uh, you know, like we've talked about, they're pretty deep. They all seem to be pretty satisfied. Um, they only made two claims. Wings and nachos, they were a little more busy. They had nine claims each. But instead of breaking all the, the claims down, let's talk about the ones that suck out to you the most. Yeah, there there were definitely some interesting spots looking at the the waiver report for the week. I think the the thing that maybe uh, I I got the the best chuckle out of is our closest call is a couple of familiar faces. Um, yep. So in weeks past, we've seen um, Jen Piacenti, Jen Piacenti, excuse me, and Scott Engel um, spar on on the waiver wire, wire, and yet again we see Team Engel. Uh, outbidding Jen Piacenti by 35 bucks by uh, a little better than 3% of, of total budget on Peyton Barber. Um, or excuse me, that, that was a $35 bid that Jen lost by, by $5. So once again, Jen and Scott are just continuing to, to trade blows here, um, go back and forth. And, you know, on, on Jen's side of this, like y- you never feel good seeing that a couple dollars here or there could have landed you a player that you wanted to acquire. But on the other side, I I think there's something to be said for having a pretty good barometer of what someone's value is in the open market. Right. I I hate it when I go into my fab report in my leagues and see that I spent 30% more on a guy that I was bullish on than the, the next closest bid. Right. So um, you know, if, if, if at all possible, if I was, if I was in Jen's shoes, I'd be taking some solace in the fact that I've got my, my finger on the pulse of the market value for, for these free agents. Yeah. You, you bring up a really, uh, big and interesting point, uh, regarding, you know, how much of your fab you're going to devote to a, a player. Um, the biggest and most interesting waiver claim this week goes to whom yeah so our our big spender was uh, uh mike alexander uh, gas doc gang uh they went out and they acquired the services of marquez valdez scantling for almost 300 dollars uh for for about 30 <laughs> percent of the original budget um and 299 dollars right um, and it's, you know, it, it seems like it's a bit of a, of a head scratcher on its face. Um, but we also have to keep in mind that this is a 14 team league, right? We talked about, uh, Jeff Bell, uh, uh, setting the league scoring record for this week. He was the high watermark with Julio Jones, getting him seven in his starting lineup. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, would I have been happy uh, spending 30% of my, my budget on MVS? No, right? But if, yeah. if you look at it, he he is very much so on the field in a very consistent fashion. He's seen over 60% uh, of snaps, of offensive snaps for this Green Bay offense mm-hmm. through, through, through three weeks, through each of the three weeks. And we saw last week he has one of the most dynamic quarterbacks maybe of all time throwing him the ball, right? So he did Arguably, convert yeah. for, for a touchdown, put up uh, almost 15 points in PPR scoring last week. So, you know, that probably drove his his value up in, in the free market. Um, but $299 on a $1,000 budget just feels like it's a bit rich for, for my taste. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you on that one. Um, like you said, he, he got the touchdown in week three, but even with that touchdown, he's he drew 12.9% of of uh, Aaron Rodgers' uh, passes. That to me doesn't strike me as as a, a 30% of my fab kind of of claim. Um, and I'm wondering if there's there's some insider information there or or what. Um, you know, this he seems to me like he's a boomer bust kind of wide receiver um you're gonna get four points this week and maybe 40 next week but um you know i i I don't see really myself ever dropping that amount of coin for a speculative player like msv uh so that being said i mean that's that's pretty much 
the the highs and lows. Um, let's talk about budget shopping this week for for waiver claims. Yeah, so our our budget shopper is actually our our guest to follow here in a moment. So uh, Team Coventry went out and they acquired the Tennessee Titans defense for three whole dollars on a thousand dollar budget. And, you know, in and of itself, I, I think it is uh, very much so reasonable to be targeting this uh, this Titans defense going against yep. what looked to be an entirely hapless New York Jets team. Um, but in if you zoom out What's a little new? bit in, in the greater context, it is uh, a, a bit puzzling because we look back last week and they went out and added the Raiders defense for $86. Um, and to double down on that, they actually dropped that Raiders defense to go yeah. out and, and acquire the Titans. That's, um, that's what I thought, uh, was so interesting and, and we'll have an opportunity to, to maybe ask him about it if we have time. Uh, you, you, at some point you have to have two defenses over the course of the year. Uh, he's now spent $89 of his fab toward defenses is is that something that you could see yourself doing in in one of your leagues or is is that kind of a a a weird shot to uh to devote that kind of cash to a defense yeah i mean in terms of the leagues that i'm in i am a huge proponent of streaming defenses so um you know a proportional amount of my my free agent budget does go to acquiring defenses I think more than anything, really what stands out about this is is just a flat overspend on the Raiders last week, right? If if he had went out and acquired that team for five, ten, fifteen dollars, whatever it might have been, um, and turned around and cut them to add what is maybe now the best of the streaming defenses this week, I don't think any of us are batting an eye, right? But in in these high stakes leagues and these experts leagues, we do see uh, time and time again, a player, a, a manager will hone in on uh, a player they want to acquire, and they're, and they're not afraid to pull the trigger to go out and, and make that happen. I think that was probably the logic for uh, for Jim Coventry last week, and and good on him, right? He looked at the waiver report. He saw that he way overspent everybody else looking at that defense, and he mm-hmm. he adjusted his approach for, for week four, right? So read and react is, is part of the game. Yeah, yeah, and I think he... Uh... I think he he did. Um, still interesting uh, to to pick up two defenses on two consecutive weeks, but uh, you know, with with that being said, um, let's let's just let's let's ask him. Um, we're we're really excited. We, yeah, definitely something to to bring up with with Jim and his uh, and his his partner Mitch as they they make their way into the broadcast here. Um, the last note that I had for for waivers before we before we invite them in is is actually one to do with um, uh, maybe one of the more kind of interesting ads of the week. Yeah, um, we saw Marlon Mack get uh, get acquired uh, by by Matt Harmon by Team Harmon for. A cool two bucks um, again on a thousand dollar budget, right? So this this happened. And the, the thing that really jumps off the page for me with, with this acquisition is it could be one that, you know, maybe make some waves a few weeks down a few weeks down the road, right? Marlon Mack, if he is traded, is very likely to find himself in a much more favorable situation than the one that he is in in Indianapolis. Yep. And you know, we we a few weeks down the road, I would imagine that if he does end up in a a, a different situation. Teams are going to be looking to acquire his services, and they're going to have to pay well over two dollars in uh, in in a waiver run to do it. So, 
definitely feels like a like a sharp move for uh for for team Harmon to to pull the trigger a few weeks ahead of the trend here yeah and i i really like that move um especially with the the speculation that he's going to go somewhere that's that's actually going to utilize his his services um you know he's he's behind jt in indianapolis and that's not gonna bode well for a player that's still you know really in his in his prime uh but you know we'll see how he plays out and and where he lands um but for now uh let's go ahead and and bring in jim and mitch uh just really excited today to bring in jim coventry and and uh from from rotowire uh you'll also find him on saturdays and sundays on the series xm fantasy sports radio show alongside jim tonight is his partner in fantasy mitch zimmer guys welcome and we're glad you're here with us tonight excited to be here thanks for having us men we're gonna have a little fun here great All to right. be here great to be here thank you yeah uh jim we'll start with you um how about you get us started with telling us uh, what what charity you're sporting this year and, and how you how you came to choose that group? Yeah, I thought there was a two step approach to this. The Hayden Hurst Foundation. The first one is the clear one: mental health awareness, and it's always been an issue. But in this recent time we live in, the social media world is destroying people. You know, people are wondering what's wrong with them because everybody's painting that great, happy picture about life is great. And the people are like, man, that's not me. And they don't get the reality is. And so that's accelerating the issues they're having. And then the harassment and bullying and garbage that goes on. People are really getting put in bad places. And then, of course, toxic relationships, family situations. So in the constant stress. And so mental health awareness is massive right now. But then the second part is, we're playing fantasy football. So yeah. why not hop on an NFL players train because they're the one giving us the fantasy points and they're also supporting some causes. So it's a win-win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I, I have been affected um, by mental health in my, in my own family. And um, so that, it, that is a, a charity that's near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm just really glad that that we have somebody raising money and raising awareness for that um, because it is so important. Uh, like you said, um, you know, it helps to talk to people for sure. And uh, I think they're doing, I think they're doing uh, great work. Um, and I'm glad that it's it's coming out to the forefront, um, you know, nationwide. Uh, Mitch, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got into uh, the pros with Joe's and, and how you got hooked up with, with Jim here. The, well, again, thank you for having me today. And it's actually an honor to be with Jim. Uh, I, um, on Twitter, I saw the pros with Joe's and uh, I looked over the roster of, uh, of which pros that I might want to partner up with. And I immediately stopped right there on Jim Coventry because uh, I've been a fan of his body of work on Saturdays, uh, you know, on the weekends there on, on Rotowire. And uh, I, I probably remember listening to Jim on one of his first or second times in the, in the host chair. And I said, you know what? This guy's, I've never heard him before, but he's doing a really good job, not only uh, being the traffic cop, but also uh, his analysis is spot on. And I and I started listening to him every weekend. And if I couldn't catch him live, I'd make sure I rolled it back. Um, and uh, as far as uh, why I picked him, I just really... I just really connected with him, and uh, we've we've talked a little bit on Twitter, on you know, just chatted on Twitter, and he's been a gentleman, uh, an opportunity to answer some questions that I've had over the last maybe two seasons or so, three seasons, and it was a no-brainer for me. And as far as the um, the charity is concerned, uh, you know, I like you like you said earlier, Dan um, uh, Dansby, uh, we we. Um, we all probably have something in our family 
that we can relate to. I have cousins up north that are involved in NAMI, which is a National Association of Mental Illness. And I, and I am a retired pharmaceutical person, and I've uh, had products in my uh, portfolio. Uh, some of them you still see advertised on TV for bipolar depression. So it, it's been something that's been a passion for me as well. So I was happy to see that that was Jim's uh, that that was Jim's charity uh, for uh, Mark Andrews. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Mitch, we uh, we we once again uh, want to thank you for your support and your participation this year. Um, I I do want to know a little bit about the the football side of your life. Do you have a team that you follow in the NFL? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your history playing fantasy? Are you more of a redraft kind of guy or do you dabble in dynasty or dfs what uh what do your sundays look like first of all i'm a philadelphia eagles fan uh i'm from the philadelphia area uh i now live in central florida where it's real easy if i wanted to transition to the tampa bay buccaneers i could but i've been an eagles fan for for too long uh, and, uh, my, I live in one of those communities where everybody gets around in golf carts. So I have my Eagles, uh, license plate holder on the back part of my golf cart, <laughs> my Phillies one on the front. So, and, uh, and, and one of my dogs is Rocky and people ask me, Oh, Rocky, uh, how'd you get that name? I said, Rocky Balboa. I said, Come yeah. on now. Uh, we only deal in champions here, even if it's a fictitious one. So I started playing fantasy football in 1988. Oh, wow. Which is 34 years ago, and that's half my life. And uh, that league actually was a dynasty league. It was very primitive. We did our stats uh, by hand. Uh, actually, um, mallet, and, mallet and, and tablet and chisel is how we did it. <laughs> and the first fantasy draft was the Last Supper, actually. So that's how far back I go. Uh, your draft board, your draft board was on slate. It was on, everything was on slate. But I was a commissioner, and, and we still have that league. It's it's it takes a different form now, but it did everything then. Two QBs, IDP, keep most of your players. Um, in our heyday, we had fourteen teams. We've had as, as few as ten. Uh, some guys since then have passed on, believe it or not. We've gotten some new guys, uh, sons, nephews are in our league now as well. Uh, so a we true dynasty. <laughs> no, really, it's a dinosaur dynasty. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a couple of the guys are over 70 years old, um, and I'm close to it. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that, that was my first league, and I really didn't start playing multiple leagues until the era of technology. And then uh, 11 years ago when I started listening to Sirius XM and stumbled on the fantasy channel, uh, I'm like, okay, now I'm really hooked. And for a long time I was in four leagues and that became six leagues, eight leagues. I'm in 14 leagues now. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, five of them. Go. I thought four, but five of them are charity leagues. Okay. Five of them are charity leagues. Well, I mean, that's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and my experience being with Jim is is stellar. I mean, he, he's been a pleasure to uh, communicate with. We've been on the same page with our transactions, with our uh, waiver wire pickups and how much to to bid. Uh, we've been pretty successful. We're currently three and oh, taking a look at our roster. I would say we're, we're still in the driver's seat. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think we're still in the driver's seat. Uh, yeah, so. that was, that was actually exactly what I, what I wanted to talk about, right? We're all familiar with Jim's fantasy prowess. Um, it sounds like Mitch, you've, uh, you've got a few pelts on your, your wall as well. And you, you said it yourself, right? You are, uh, you, you are in esteem, or rather, we are in esteemed company. You're you're one of our yep. three undefeated teams. And looking through this early part of the the charity league, we have to talk about your approach during the draft. You were one of two teams to not draft a running back. So walk us through that strategy. How how did that play a role in your three and zero start? So realistically, we were open to the top five or six running backs in the first round if they were there. We were fine with that, but they didn't fall. And at that point, what we were considering was 
too many running backs are missing time either in game or larger parts of seasons, they're losing their jobs to nobodies. Like, yep. you know, Joe third down back is coming in and taking work away. Well, typically receivers, they're out there. They're not going to lose their job to some nobody. And so by going with these good receivers, we, f- we figured they're going to be on the field. We've already had our share of injuries and guys like Ayuk sitting out, and we've been able to withstand that because we just went with all these guys that are in the lineup and being in there for most of the snaps. It's huge for us. So I think that was the main thing that worked for us is going with that approach. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's all predicated on what the league setup is. It's almost like, you know, they're all flexes. So take the best player off the board. I mean, I actually worked off of uh, Jim's uh, rankings sheet, his, his cheat sheet. Uh, he did the draft. Uh, I unfortunately, that draft happened on um, on the Jewish holiday, and, and I, I had a house full of people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I couldn't be rude. Um, but uh, we uh, we kind of talked beforehand about what our strategy would be. And take a look. We have Tyreek Hill. We have uh, Godwin. We have Tyreek Hill. We have Mike Williams. We, we have some really good – we figured OBJ might work out pretty well. And A.J. Brown. All right, they're injured. Uh, but if they're all healthy – uh, they're they're golden. I mean, they were the next man up when the draft came up. When when our when our spot in the draft came up, we think we have a very productive quarterback in Tom Brady, and uh, you, you know you can't go wrong with our tight end either. So um, we we have you know we have Noah Fant, and uh, I think he he's going to be very steady. Uh, I think he's going to eat more because of the injuries they have in their wide receiver room. Uh, the quarterback connects with him. Teddy B does connect with him. I, I think our roster is pretty good. And, and if we stick to our strategy of, uh, of the team defense streaming, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do pretty well, I hope. You know? Well, I mean, Mitch, you, you teed it up pretty perfectly without any planning involved. Uh, but, you know, thank you. Y'all are coming off a, a, a strong showing last week against Troy King, uh, despite getting almost nothing from A.J. Brown. Um, what are your thoughts on on him going forward, and, and who are you looking to replace him with going into your, your matchup next week against the old Cooter Doodle? <laughs> if, you, if you take a look at our roster, I mean, all we have to really do uh, is – is take out AJ Brown for the moment, and we can plug Ayuk in. I think Ayuk's coming along. Yeah. Uh, he was on our bench last week. Uh, other than that, uh, the lineup's still going to look pretty much the same. Now, to answer your question about my thoughts on AJ Brown, well, you, you know, I think they're going to take their time letting him come back from this in- injury. He's had yeah. injury problems in the past, and historically, the Titans have been very gentle with him in terms of easing him back. But look, yeah. if you have Derrick Henry there, you have that luxury. Yeah. You know, the alpha on that team is Derrick Henry. Yeah. Uh, not a, you know, some other teams, the alpha is the AJ Brown component of that NFL team. But in this case, they could really ease him back. Now, what may be taking them a little bit off the rails is Julio Jones also is hobbled. But again, they have Derrick Henry. Yeah, just eat him up. I think I think Derrick Henry just is loving it because he's going to start getting a heavier workload with with those injuries. And uh, but yeah, you're right. You're talking about Thoroughbred versus a, a Clydesdale uh, in Derrick Henry, and so they're they're just going to work him and and let him, uh, let the Thoroughbred kind of heal up. You know, it was interesting. So I kind of talked before the season and I thought that when the Titans brought in Julio, I figured they would go 11 personnel to lighten the box for Henry because Henry's seen stacked boxes for the last couple of years and they've run significant amounts of 11 personnel. And Henry has certainly taken advantage of that. We know he can run against anything, but that workload is still significant over two years over the last two weeks. It's significant, but I wonder now if Julio misses this game, our team's going cover zero against them. Are they literally going to put nine men in the box? Yeah. 
And they may, because there's not a receiver on that squad they're going to worry about or a tight end they're going to worry about. And Tannehill's not going to have the luxury of, you know, the old play action days at Arthur Smith. That play design's not as good right now with the pass game. So I wonder, I'm very anxious to see how defenses approach it if Julio's not in there. Is Reynolds still on that roster? He is, yeah. but he's been Josh inactive. Reynolds is still two, yeah. three games, I believe. Yeah, he's he hasn't he hasn't played, but if he were in there, I, you know, he uh, he's no Julio Jones, that's for sure. But if they play dink and dunk, if they, if teams want to play nine in the box, eight in the box, they can play dink and dunk with this guy. He had a modicum of success with the uh, L.A. Rams, uh, I, but again, I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know how much the brain trust trusts him. I, look, I don't, uh, you know, but. It, it'll be interesting, but for from being a number three to a number one, that's a big difference in coverage. Yeah, you know I'm saying now you're going to see a good cornerback on you as opposed to seeing slop, right? So I'll bet you they wish yeah. they had a stronger tight end. Uh, you know, I, I thought Ferks go, was going to come around, but I think they trust him there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so definitely something to watch. Obviously, Oops, sorry. You guys yeah, also yeah. about our receivers. The one player we definitely want to talk about real quickly is when we, we hit gold both with Mike Williams and Brandon Cooks. We got those guys late, and yep. they were guys that we definitely targeted. Cooks thought all along, wide receiver two minimum. His floor was 150 targets going into the season, and they're running him out of the slot 44% of the time, and so they can't even bracket him. So those two guys, they are very pivotal in our start of the season and hopefully down the road. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're seeing the season that many of us have been waiting for from Mike Williams. Um, and he's, you know, through three weeks, really delivered on the upside that everyone has been so, uh, rather not so patiently waiting for. And you you pair him off with the volume floor that Brandon Cooks is going to bring to your team. And it's it's a really powerful combination in the in the context of your overall roster. So Definitely something to to continue to track as we we carry on through the season. I do want to roll at least the the calendar forward here a day and take a look at Thursday night. So we've got uh, another barn burner on our hands with Thursday night football. We're heading into a matchup between the Bengals and the Jaguars. Jim, are there are there any storylines that you're watching or, or matchups that you maybe you're trying to take take advantage of in this game? Yeah, a few of them for sure. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, look, he's been shaky. We know that. But he also has shown with some of his throws why he was the number one overall pick. We see those flashes. And so now he's on a national stage. And we wonder what kind of impact. So that's the first thing I'm looking for. And then he goes with DJ Chark. Now, Chark's been targeted 22 times, but only seven of them have gotten into his hands. And so there's a disconnect there. But if Lawrence starts to put things together on the big stage, and this is not a scary matchup for them at all, this could be the week those two click. And then the two Bengals aspects are Joe Burrow's throwing only 25 passes a game, while Joe Mixon is seeing a combination of rushes and targets 25 per game. They're getting the same typical workload. And so now this could be Mixon's second monster game. And the last one, Jamar Chase, 16 targets, four touchdowns. No uh, T. Higgins again, but will that kind of crazy efficiency have any chance to be sticky? That's going to be tough to call, but he's going to touch down every four receptions. Well, Jim, that, that kind of leads me into the, the next question I have for you. Uh, you know, we all know you're your big X's and O's guy. Um, any other players at, in any other games this week that you're you're watching uh, that you're picking just solely on their matchup this week? Yeah, I definitely am on the Eli Mitchell train here. They're playing Seattle, giving up like 135 yards on the ground of running backs per game. And Trey Sermon, now I see why he was at active in week one, because he did not look very good. They were giving carries to Juszczyk. They were giving carries to Debo. Kittle, I think, had a carry. They were giving everybody handoffs because they didn't want to give him the sermon. And Eli Mitchell had a really tough matchup against Philly played well. They, they really schemed that up well. They didn't play well the next week, but I think he comes in. And I also, matchup-wise, Mac Jones and Hunter Henry because the Bucks it's going to be a shootout, right? Well, I don't know if the – I'll say shootout. The, um, 
Tom Brady's side's going to shoot out. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the other side's going to have to throw. And I think the vulnerability, Hunter Henry is now out snapping John New Smith pretty significantly the last two weeks. And I think those two are going to have a connection. I think that's a place they can attack. And so that's what I'm looking for. Chuba Hubbard. Do you realize the Dallas Cowboys are giving up more production to running backs through the air than on the ground? Yes, more wow. receptions and yards than they're giving up rushing yardage. So Hubbard is going to take that role. And we saw it with Mike Davis last year. They will throw to their backup running back that's taking over for the injury. Two more, Dawson Knox. Texas are giving up 77 yards a game to tight ends. Dawson Knox has been involved. It's only like four targets a game. But he's already gotten a couple 40-yard games. He's gotten in the end zone. Last one, Corey Davis as is against his former team. And the Titans are allowing 225 yards per game to wide receivers. Talk about a dream matchup for a chance to get his team back. This is a big one for him. Those are the ones I'm looking at this week. Yeah, so so Jim, one one thing that you shared that I really wanted to examine a little bit closer is your point about this this Cowboys defense and how favorable they have been to pass catching running backs, right? And if if we take a look just a few nights ago, we saw an Eagles team that only run or only rushed with running backs three times in that game. So I'm I'm kind of curious if you feel like that stat is a product to a product of the vulnerability in their defense or maybe influenced by how prolific they are on offense and how often their opponents are trying to to catch up combination of both. Yes. Dallas is able to put points on the board and I think coaches and, you know, depending on the matchups they have, coaches are figuring out that if you throw to your running backs, it is more efficient frequently than the running play. And so a lot of coaches are figuring this out, and Dallas has kind of caught that perfect storm. But the way to attack them is going to be that way because those linebackers are fast, and they tend to overplay a little bit. And one way to slow them down is to throw the the, the running back screen passes because, look, they want to use – Micah Parsons is a rusher. Well, when they're rushing, they're moving their linebacker down to rush. Now also you're opening some some angles here. So I think this could be a vulnerability all year for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and we're actually we're going to spend a little time here at the end fast forwarding to uh, some questions that our, our listeners have sent in. So uh, Jeff wants to know he's he's currently rostering Saquon Barkley. DeAndre Swift, Kareem Hunt, and Jamal Williams. So of that stable of four, he's got a two-part question. He wants to know maybe which of those should he look to trade if he's trying to improve his wide receiver department, and if there are maybe any thoughts that you have about a wide receiver he can target or maybe someone you're looking at as a a buy-low candidate from the wide receiver realm. Mitch, you got something on this one? Yeah, uh... Sometimes you have to know the whole picture. Uh, you know, like he wants to improve his wide receivers. He can get a primo player for Barkley. He can't get that same, maybe for Swift, that is a redraft league. Swift is still on Detroit. He's still sharing time with Williams. I don't think he can get the same quality wide receiver for Swift he can get. Hunt is obviously, uh, he's a good standalone but he still is in that timeshare. I mean, and and Jamal Williams also in a timeshare. Uh, so you're not, you know, if you want to if, if you want to trade a Hunter Jamal Williams, you can do that. Maybe depending on what the other team, what your trade partner's roster looks like, if they are flush with wide receivers and needs a maybe a, a, an RB two or three, and they're willing to take Swift Hunter Williams. Maybe that's where you can get a Mike Williams, that type of player in that range for one of those three players. Uh, depends on where you know what what the other team has uh, on the bench and on the starting rotation. Uh, maybe uh, you, you can get Amari Cooper for one of those three. So, somebody along those lines. But if, if you if you want to get um, DK Metcalf or uh, CD Lamb or or you know one of the top guys uh, Hill Tyreek Hill Devonte Adams you're ne- you're never going to get it for those th- those three and I don't even know if yeah. those owners would even even be 
willing to trade them for anybody, much less Barkley. So I, if I were this guy, Jeff, I would look to maybe offer up Hunt or Jamal Williams and start with somebody in the maybe the DJ Chark, uh, the, 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 the more – uh, more from Carolina, Williams from uh, LA, in that range, and see what you can get. Yeah, it's a it's a point well taken that yeah. making these sort of calls in a vacuum is is always difficult, right? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. But but Jim, maybe maybe kind of zooming out to the macro level, um, uh, who are some wide receiver targets that you're maybe looking to buy low on right now? So Allen Robinson, I think. The fantasy manager that rosters him has to be a little nervous because we know he always does it, but he hasn't done it this year. So I think it's a time, three games. That that's pretty good. And so I think you can make a little attack there. And I, Brandon Ayuk, uh, he played eighty six percent of the snaps last week, but his numbers still weren't very good. And so I still think there's going to be some panic by the fantasy manager rostering him. So I think he's a player we saw last year. And I know last year he had the benefit of either Samuel and or Kittle being out and seeing double digit targets. But this is the one guy of theirs that can get downfield and eventually they'll use that. And so I do think he's a target. And I think Michael Pittman's a player, not certainly of a lower quality, but I think he's a player to target. He's had 12 targets in each of the last two games, and he's starting to show some of that ability he flashed a bit last year. He had the compartment of syndrome, the injury in his calf last year, and I think that really slowed him down. But I do like him a lot. And the last one, Manny Sanders, the air yards are nuts. I mean, that's the thing, right? We follow the air yards, and Josh Allen is throwing it downfield. The first game, not so productive, but last week we saw something of that. But that's the thing, and defense are never going to be able to sell out for him because they got Steph Diggs to worry about. Yep. So those are some receivers to target. I I agree. I agree. So, Eric, what, what other listener questions do we want to touch on tonight? Yeah, we've we've got a few people uh, largely looking to fill in their their flex spot. Uh, Peter sent us a question. He's in a half point PPR. Um, he's making a decision between the aforementioned Michael Pittman, Robbie Anderson, Trey Sermon, and Naheem Hines out of Indianapolis. So, of those four in a half point PPR, who are who are you firing up in your roster spot in your flex spot? I should say. Mitch, you got one on this. Um. Pittman jumps out to me on uh, out of that group. Yeah, yeah, it's a target because Robbie Anderson and I know the coach said he wants to get him more involved, but we saw a changing of the guard from like week twelve on last year where they finally figured out, oh, what are we doing here? We've got DJ Moore, the guy's a superstar. Robbie Anderson's a nice player. They finally started skewing the targets. That's carried over. So I think Robbie Anderson, he'll have a couple good weeks, but he's gonna fade away. Sermon, I already mentioned my thoughts on him, and yeah. the coach can <laughs> let that be known and. Hines, it's so hit or miss. So, yeah, t- Pittman, follow those 12 targets in each of the last two games. And at least Wentz might have a little better ankle luck this week. So that's probably the way to go there. Yeah, the, the thing that that comes to mind for me with, with Hines specifically is we saw uh, Jonathan Taylor at least get a, a limited practice with uh, with a bit of a knee issue today. Um, so it, it feels very much so like the Colts – have invested in Naheem Hines as a player. He's very much so part of their game plan week in and week out. Um, you know, I, I, maybe we're speculating a bit, but if uh, if this injury were to persist, if it were to either limit Jonathan Taylor's run or, or maybe even cost him the game, where does that vault Naheem Hines uh, in, in your, your week four rankings? Well, he has to move up at that point. He's probably about the y, I mean, the running back 18 or so. He's probably... The line is hurt. Braden Smith's been out. I don't know if he's going to miss another game. Uh, we know Quentin Nelson has a high ankle sprain. And they're not running the two tight end sets they ran last year. They're playing a lot of 11, so three receiver sets. So they're not even setting them up with the blocking, which I think is going to hurt Jonathan Taylor a bit. But that said, back to Hines, yeah, if Hines is in the game, they're going to throw to him more than they're going to run him. They're not going to want to give him 20 carries because that's not the back he is. So this would be a game where he would get seven to nine targets most likely. And so in that case, if, if Taylor were to miss, then, yeah, I think you go to Hines at that point. Makes a lot of sense. 
All right, I think we got time for one more listener question. Uh, Lou is looking for his third wide receiver this week. He's in standard scoring. Uh, his choices are Marvin Jones, Chase Claypool, Rondale Moore, or Devontae Smith. What are your thoughts, guys? Mitch, you got something here? I'm going to put Claypool at the head of this. Uh, at the head of this, uh, I, as much as I like uh, Smith, believe me, I'm an Eagles fan. Um, <laughs> I think the um, I think the stars are aligned for Claypool to have a very high floor at the very least. And again, it's standard scoring. Uh, Claypool's the kind of guy that out of nowhere he'll. He'll catch that 50-yard touchdown. I'll yeah. go with Marvin Jones here. He's getting 8 to 11 targets a game. Um, I like what you said about Claypool, Mitch, but he benefited last week by Deontay Johnson being out and Smith Schuster getting injured. He had 15 targets, and he only turned it into 96 yards. Ben can't throw it downfield anymore. I, he no. legitimately <laughs> cannot throw the ball. And, right. look, I'm, I'm signing Mason Rudolph in my two quarterback leagues. Eventually – Ben's going to have to get pulled out because they cannot compete with him on the field anymore. And so Claypool's best asset is, is like you said, the 50-yard catch. Ben could punt it to him maybe, but I don't think he could throw it to him. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's I, – I, I, I hear what you're saying. If it weren't standard scoring, uh, immediately I was, I was thinking Marvin Jones because that's his thing. But uh, this makes it a little tricky. Uh, maybe that's where Smith might work out too. But he's still kind of early in his tenure, and we don't know quite what we have with the combination of Jalen Hurts and Smith. Uh, maybe we'll get a clearer picture. Maybe Smith will be what the Eagles wanted, which is the second coming of Tyreek Hill. Maybe <laughs> not. But um, hopefully, as an Eagle fan, yeah. But um yeah, I, I mean, again, standard scoring wide receiver three. That's that's pretty good list over there. I, I suppose that it's going to be a crapshoot, but maybe you know, Jim's the expert here. Uh, I'd probably then, if that were my team, plug in Marvin Jones after listening to Jim's reasoning. Yeah, I mean, in in a vacuum under under normal circumstances, I, I think specifically in standard scoring, Claypool is probably the guy. But to to the point about Ben Roethlisberger and his arm, like for forget getting it fifty Body. yards down the field. I don't know if he can get it fifteen yards down the field, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot of dependency on uh, Claypool to not only see huge volume again. It does sound like Deontay Johnson is probably trending in the right direction for this week, so that's going to hurt his volume. But he will have to do all of the heavy lifting in terms of yards after catch if he wants to have any of those big chunk plays. And I, I think Marvin Jones is probably the more likely to to really be involved and, and convert for a touchdown in week four. Yeah, for sure. And remember, it's a Thursday night game. So you don't have the luxury of seeing what Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to be, you know, in terms of their status. Because if we knew up front, they're either both going to play or one or both are going to be out a different decision because Claypool, if he's getting that 15 targets again, that's another ball game. Right. But like you guys said, I agree with all that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess that wraps up our, uh, our questions from our listeners this week. Uh, Jim, Mitch, Again, such a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Uh, Jim, I'm going to give you a little bit of airtime to uh, let all our listeners know where they can find you on the internets and, you know, give a shout out to whomever you want this week. Thanks. So yeah, you can find me at Jim Coventry NFL on Twitter. I do a live stream every Sunday, two hours before kickoff. I do that for a full hour. So I'll, I'll, most important thing, I'll, who cares what the what is? I give you the why. I'll tell you why to start a player. And, and you can make your decision based on that. I'll never just say, oh, start Z, start X. Useless. So I'll do that. Otherwise, during the regular season, the serious show, we're on Saturdays. We lose our Sunday spot. We do NFL game coverage. So you can catch me there. Um, like Mitch said, if you like the show and can't catch it, the SXM app. You have to rewind there. And those who are Rotowire subscribers, definitely pumping out stuff on there as frequently as I can. But I appreciate um, being here with you guys. Total pleasure. Love pros with Joes. Eric, absolutely amazing work. Absolutely. I love it. Keep being part of this as long as you have me. 
Absolutely. And Eric, I don't know how you did this or Jim, who I don't know how this worked out, but I'm really happy that I've been Jim's part of this. It's been my honor. Hey, we're, we're really excited to, to have you both. And, and again, thank you both for your support. Um, shout out to a uh, friend of the charity and uh, one, one of our pros, Casey Kassam, if you want, want to hear a little bit about how this all came together, you can check out her podcast, uh, Get Real Pod. We spent a little time talking about how the Charity League came together. So if you're looking for some uh, some some listening, a little little background on the Charity League, uh, the Get Real Pod is a great place to, to jump in. And for anyone who is um, uh, considering or open to supporting the work that we do, you can head over to our Twitter handle. It's at Pros with Joes, or you can go directly to our website, proswithjoes.com. There you can see that we are still raising money throughout the entirety of the regular season that will go to our winning teams charity. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything, knock on wood, but uh, we, we've at least had a conversation with a contender for that uh, for that pod at the end of the year. Um, so by all means, um, you know, head over there, take a look at some of the work we're doing and consider contributing. Give a little, give a lot. It, it really goes a long way with all of these phenomenal causes. And the other bit of news for year two of Pros with Joes is that we are excited to be part of the drroto.com family. So you can find this podcast and my work over there. Um, you can also head over to any place where you find podcasts and search for Pros with Joes or Dr. Roto. Subscribe to the network. Um, if you enjoy the work we do, leave us a review, uh, throw a rating in there. It, it helps us reach more people in the, in the work that we're trying to do out in the world. Thanks again, guys. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for us this week. Uh, set your rosters, and we'll see y'all after week four. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drrodo.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.